Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hey, everybody. Memorial Day weekend. Um, gosh, man, I thought I could do better than this. Um, well, let me get this done. The pro- this program is sponsored by P for P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in the world. And if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand on and a vehicle to drive your goals, like what, Desiree? Like a map truck through ice cream. Yeah, that sounds pretty good right now. Probably had some on uh, Memorial Day. But anywho, check us out at peoplepmuscle.com. And now let's talk. And um, guys, yeah, um, you know, before the show starts, we're just going to take a moment. Um, I was, we, you know, Des and I were getting questions about, you know, the person that just recently passed, a good, good friend, a very good person for humanity, and I, I always called her an angel that was borrowed from heaven, and I'm talking about Misty Love School, and she was just a genuine individual. There's a lot of information that goes around with certain questions, and, uh, you know, we get a lot of them. Sometimes there's people that are closer to it. She was more involved in the sport than most people would think or dream or know. And she always found a way to basically steer people in the right direction. And she always found the time to do so. I mean, she, she, it's hard to, yeah. She was just one of those genuine individuals who always found a way to be helpful, no matter what. Um, you know, she's been on our show a couple of times. Um, let me get those dates for you if you want to hear a little bit of her speaking from her own mouth and her own words and her own thoughts. Um, the first show we had with her was on October 16th in the archives, 2016. The second show was February 23rd in 2017. And she was speaking from the heart on both shows. And I got to you know, meet her a lot of times at the back, you know, behind backstage, behind shows and we talk. And then we had a good chance to work with each other at the Arnold in uh, 2016. And she worked the booth with us and she just, you know, fell into place, found her niche and just made everybody better around her. And she just had that way about her. She just honestly had that way about her. And she was a true, true gem. And you know she will be sorely missed. Um, I know Des has some things she's wanting to say. Um, I hope people understand that life is short. We've got so much to live for, and to take most time not living at all. And she just found a way to get anyone around her to live their best and fullest when she was in the vicinity. Uh, Des, you, you want to add to that? Um, you know, I you've really covered it. Misty was a gem. I uh, never really got to meet her in person, but just through Facebook exchanges, which happened, you know, often, um, and just having her on the show as a guest, just very genuine. And if you were to see her Facebook page, just all the sentiments being shared by the people around her who loved her, friends and family alike. I mean, she really was the real deal. And Anytime the world loses people like that, it, it is it is sorely felt, you know, all the way around. So, you know, we send our love and condolences to her family. I know yeah. that, you know, that's that's probably, a, you know, a very meager offering at this point, but our hearts go out to them. And uh, we just wanted to recognize her and, um, you know, the the bright memory that she's leaving behind, and so we will miss her greatly. Yes, yeah, and and one more thing is, um, we we're not uh, sure what has happened. Uh, if we ever get that information, we'll be sure to relay that. But uh, we just wish the best. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just like I said, I'm at a loss. And I, I just don't, you know, other than the pain and the hurt, and we're, we're really sorry. I mean, really, really sorry. I, I can't even imagine how her family must be feeling. Um, let's, let's just, 
let's just be there for each other like she planned to be there for us, you know, like she was for us in the past and like she wanted to be for us in the future. If we can all take on that mindset, I think we'll all be a better world for And for that, I agree. So, um, if you if you knew her and you'd like to leave a message on her Facebook page, it is still up, and uh, I'm sure her family will appreciate that as well. So, in memory of Misty Love, and um, and with that, I mean, I guess there really is no smooth transition. Um, so I go. I hope you guys understand. But uh, we are um, moving on to our guest for this evening, and you've heard that you've heard me talking about it quite a bit last week. I mentioned it a couple of times. We have Dr. Michael Jackson from Regenix on our show, and uh, he is going to be talking to us about his field of medicine that is uh, pretty groundbreaking. It's pretty exciting. And as we said, it is dealing with stem cell and blood platelet procedures um, to help with, um, and Dr. Jackson will correct me here if I am wrong. I don't have all the details in front of me, so hold on. I got a little lost in our opening here. But um, it's... um, Osteo, you know what, I'm not even going to try. Dr. Jackson, introduce yourself and uh, let the folks know what you do and who you are, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty from there. All right, sounds good. Well, as you heard, I am uh, Dr. Michael Jackson. I am a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation with a subspecialty in sports medicine, which led me into occupational medicine. So I have a lot of experience with musculoskeletal injuries. Um, Physical medicine and rehabilitation is a younger specialty, so not a lot of people are aware of what we do. But um, physiatrists or physiatrists, depending upon whether you're old school or new school, but um, what we do is uh, there's two sides to the fence, let's put it that way. So you've got your inpatient side, which takes care of folks with spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, um, catastrophic orthopedic injuries, burn rehab, pulmonary rehab, people that need inpatient rehabilitation or you can get involved with orthotics and prosthetics for people that have had amputations or need bracing. Um, on the inpatient side, I'm sorry, on the outpatient side, which I find myself on, there's predominantly musculoskeletal medicine um, or pain management. I myself would have been considered prior to getting involved with uh, this regenerative medicine that we're going to talk about tonight, I would, be a, would have been considered a non-operative orthopedist, um, taking care of orthopedic issues, uh, utilizing conservative care, typically physical therapy and other modalities like that, occasionally injections. But as you said, I am past that and on to new and better things, which is regenerative medicine, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, or interventional orthopedics. And, that, and so orthopedic was the word I was thinking of. I don't know where osteo, whatever I was trying to say, came from. So it's just orthopedic, muscular, right. musculoskeletal, um, all of that good stuff, which these are all huge words. So if you could break it down for our listeners. So Absolutely. what parts of the body do you focus on and what kind of injuries do you help treat? And then we'll move into how you do the treating of those injuries. Okay. Sure, sure. So when we're talking about musculoskeletal medicine, we're talking about muscles, ligaments, tendons, bones, uh, in some cases nerves, neuromuscular medicine is involved. So, for example, starting at the top, you've got a rotator cuff tear or just tendinopathy in that area, we can treat that. Same with the elbows, tennis elbows, wrists, arthritis, and just naming the most common things that we would treat in those areas, uh, carpal tunnel, but nerve, pinched nerves anywhere in the body, arthritic joints, hips knees, ankles, um, tendon problems, patellar tendon, uh, or the ligaments, the labrum, for example, around the shoulder or around the hip, those structures that hold those structures in place. Uh, we, we treat all those soft tissue components as well as, again, the bones on occasion. Okay, very cool. I so felt we already spine. have... I guess spine is also great. Or <laughs> okay, spine. I felt the mention spine. We also, we also treat spine. And that's important because degenerative discs, I think, can benefit from your procedures as well, if I'm understanding that correctly. You're absolutely correct, yes. Okay, very good. All right, so we've already got a listener question that's rolling in, and this one is from Scott. 
and it's kind of a two-part question. He's asking, how destructive is bad form when lifting? What can salvage the harm from it? Would stem cell research be helpful in that area? Uh, yes, yes, and yes, I guess. Um, okay, so what can happen bad from biomechanics is what you're talking about, or bad postural patterns. We start to put stress in areas that shouldn't be stressed. So we need to be symmetric, and that's a very big component of our treatment. If you have uh, pain in, in one location, for example, you change how you sit, how you stand, how you move, in this case, how you lift. So your biomechanics is extremely important and should always be addressed. Can stem cell research or treatment be um, potentially useful in that situation? It depends on what's causing it. So one of the things I tell my patients always is that um, they think they're at the doctor's office, but they just hired a private investigator. The crime is the pain, and I have to figure out the culprit. And so if it is pain that is causing you to change your biomechanics, then absolutely we can change that. If it's just laxity, if you feel unstable in certain areas and you're putting more pressure or stress on other areas to avoid the unstable area, yes, we can help because that's a big part of what we do is stabilizing the areas that we treat so that they experience less wear and tear in the future. Okay, very good. So, Scott, I hope that helps. And we're going to get into how exactly these treatments work, what the difference is between stem cell and blood platelet and all of that good kind of stuff. So don't worry. We're going to get into the mechanics of it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully you have to in order to understand Dr. it fully. It's absolutely. You do. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to say that's imperative, that's imperative to understand it fully. So. Yep, exactly. And when we get that part, if you could slow down a little bit for us so we can catch it all, that would be awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, because that's not the first time I've heard that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. But it's all been so good so far, so I want to make sure we don't miss it, right? So Sure, I get um, it. And we've I got a couple. I'm passionate yep. about what I do. Okay. So. Yes, and you can definitely tell. So we're going to catch all that. So I'm going to so guys, I'm going to get in two more questions and then we're going to get into the mechanics of how this works. So just kind of hold your questions um until we hear a little bit more about it and then we will start. I know. I know what I'm asking, but I'm just trying to make sure we get through this and actually understand what we're yeah, talking but, about here. So this next really one is from um Delana, Delana, I'm sorry, I probably murdered that name, so forgive me. I'm going to call her Miss D for the moment. She wants to know what are some of the reasons for a lot of the damages or damaging occurrences in this country. So for the patients that you see, what are the primary culprits behind all of these injuries? Well, right now uh, things are changing a little bit here in the U.S., Typically, my answer would have been either it's wear and tear, so you have an early injury, an injury earlier in life, right, after you stop growing. You're uh, 18 years old for women, typically around 21 year old, years old for men. Once your body stops growing, you start to lose some of the capacity to heal, and so those early injuries will result in laxity in certain areas, and over the course of time, that laxity just allows you to create more wear and tear in areas. The other one is point-in-time injuries, so you're playing a sport, you go up for playing basketball, for example, go for a rebound, come down, and you feel a snap or a pop and you're swollen. Uh, those are the two primary things that I was seeing earlier in my career. Now what I'm seeing is this huge rash of injuries in younger athletes because they're not spending any downtime. They're competing in one or two sports at a time with no downtime in between. Your body has to have some time to recover. And if you don't, mm-hmm. you will continue to have these wear and tear issues. Same type of issues I'm treating in that 40-, 50-year-old individual who was an athlete back in the day is now occurring in that 13-, 14-, 15-year-old athlete. Wow. Again, competing in multiple sports without any downtime and no time for recovery. So, okay. Okay. That's... Did I hear Des? Was that you, Kaylin? No, that was you. Okay, that was me. <laughs> All right. So, Dr. Jackson, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the stem cell and blood platelet procedures that you do, how they work, um, what got you interested in these mm. procedures where you transitioned your career to focus on this technology, if you will, if that's even the right phrase, versus the practice you had prior to? <laughs> uh, I guess 
quite honestly, I uh, would say dumb luck, but quite honestly, I believe it was divine intervention. Me being where I'm supposed to be. I wanted to be a physician since I was six years old. I had an incident as a young child who uh, at the time didn't understand, you know, what was going on, but I came very close to dying due to a doctor misdiagnosing mm-hmm. a condition. And um, I told myself at that, at that time, at the age of six, I was going to become a doctor. And when I did, I was going to help people and make sure that they didn't go through what I went through. And so I'm in the practice I envisioned. I didn't think I would be doing regenerative medicine, but I did think that I would be helping people get their lives back or change their lives, you know, by making them feel better. And so that's always been who I am. And I ended up via sports medicine, getting into occupational medicine. In occupational medicine, I had some successes and got promoted in this uh, automotive company that I was working for at the time. And at the top of the ladder, you don't see patients. You just, you're an administrator. And I did not like it. I spent, spent two and a half years behind the desk. I didn't touch a patient. And quite honestly, probably was clinically depressed because I couldn't do what I love to do. And I jumped at an opportunity to uh, come here to Iowa and create an occupational medicine practice. And when I did so, I told them I wanted to learn the latest and the greatest, and that's the dumb luck part. I ended up doing multiple cell ultrasound and prototherapy, which we can talk about a little bit later because that leads to the platelet procedures. But that's how I got into this kind of medicine. I realized that we I have to channel the body's energies in the right direction because we all have the ability to self-repair. And what's going on in the orthopedic model, quite honestly, is broken. It doesn't work. We've got to stop thinking about surgery first. Got to stop thinking about quick fixes because quick fixes cause problems for a long time. And so I became very passionate about the regenerative medicine that I was exposed to when I came out of that occupational medicine setting. And I continued to do the occupational medicine as well as the sports medicine and was having incredible results. And it just led me to, kept leading me to the next step. And the next step ultimately led me to Regenix, which is quite honestly the number one company for regenerative medicine in the world right now. Some companies are catching up, but we are we own more research than anybody in the world on this topic. And so we continually improve our process, and uh, we are doing great things. And moving forward, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the future. So that's how it all happened for me. Okay, awesome. Now, Sarah, I've got your questions. I'm going to ask them here, but I'm going to roll with this flow for just a little bit. So talk to us about regenerative science. What exactly is it that you do? Okay. So I always start by talking about natural healing because that's what this is, natural healing. As I mentioned earlier, we all have the ability to self-repair. That's what we do all day, every day. You and your co-hosts are involved with working out, bodybuilding. You're self-repairing. You're breaking down tissue to build more tissue as a part of your routine. When you cut yourself and you bleed, you self-repair. That happens internally as well. So that's what this is all about. In order to understand the process, you have to understand that there are three phases of natural healing. Right? Any tissue with a blood supply has the ability to repair itself, ligament, tendon, bone, muscle. Carlos has no blood supply. When it's gone, it's gone. But all those others, the classic example, again, being skin, when they bleed, they will repair themselves because the blood is the body bringing the appropriate cells to the area to initiate the healing process. In that blood? are red cells, white cells, and platelets. Keeping it simple, red cells carry oxygen. That helps fuel all the reactions that need to occur. White cells find infections. It inhibits your ability to heal if you get infected. Platelets create uh, the clot on the skin, which is going to wall that area off so it doesn't get infected. keeps the tissue closely approximated and starts prepping that tissue below for repair. After a couple, two, three days, after that clot's been set up, it starts to send out growth factor to heal the tissue. That occurs over the course of about six to eight weeks. Six weeks typically if we're talking soft tissue, eight weeks if we're talking bone. But basically the body is repairing that tissue, and after it's repaired, so that's the second phase. The first phase is inflammation. second phase is repair. Once the tissue has been repaired, now it has to mature. I always say at the end of the six weeks or eight weeks, you just refresh grass. That grass has to mature, and that occurs over the next six months to a year typically potentially even longer. But that's what it's all about, which really leads us to the do's and the don'ts uh, with regenerative medicine or just self-healing if you're taking care of yourself. The reason why I have this conversation with my patients is I want them to know how to take care of themselves when they have these injuries and they get inflamed because the first thing that they will be told often, even by physicians, is take an anti-inflammatory. 
wrong, bad medical advice. You do not inhibit the first phase of healing. That's not why anti-inflammatories were created. Anti-inflammatories were created for chronic in, uh, inflammation, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But you don't want to chemically inhibit that process because you need all hands on deck. The other thing is ice. Yes, we can ice a little bit to reduce pain, but not to reduce blood flow. I read an orthopedic pamphlet today, and it said heat or use ice, and that reduces flow, but it promotes healing. That's wrong. That's a lie, basically. Ice constricts blood flow. So the analogy there is if you want to shut down the highway and block all the workers from showing up to work, go ahead and do so. But you want that highway open, no roadblocks, again, because we want all hands on deck because we only have six weeks to repair that tissue. So you better do everything possible to help your body do so. The third thing is we always go back to some. That's my example about the kids that are playing too much. The body needs six weeks, essentially, of downtime, avoidance of things that would activate that tissue because even though you feel better after the inflammatory phase, which typically ends at about two weeks, you're still repairing tissue after that six weeks. So I'm a patient for that reason. If you go back too soon, you're going to start tearing down tissue during the repair process. During the repair process, the tissue is in a very vulnerable state, so it's very possible that you could be tearing down tissue as fast as not faster than the body's repairing it. And at the end of the six weeks, now we've got a bunch of scar tissue, unrepaired tissue, that becomes a weak link in the chain. That goes back to the point t- or the uh, two types of injury. That injury occurs at the age of 20, 25, 21 for me, and over the course of the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, that weakened tissue becomes the first tissue damage, last repaired, if you're going to remain active. Tweak that joint, again, that tissue, first damage, last repair, first damage, last repair. And at some point in time, the straw will break the camel's back. And you're going to have an injury that you have to address. Mm. So mm. that's how regenerative medicine works. That's in a nutshell. We're going to take those cells that heal tissue, in this case platelets or stem cells, platelets from outer conditions, concentrate them, and then precisely place them in an area where the tissue is damaged. That's how we promote the most healing. Using the body's natural abilities to self-repair and telling them in the right direction. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, <clears throat> and that makes sense. It makes sense to me. So I'm going to, uh, and guys, we're going to start taking questions again. Sarah, we're going to get to your question. She's asking, does stem cell therapy work on basal joint arthritis? Basal joint arthritis, yes, it does. It works on all forms of arthritis. Um, that basically is um what we call first CMC osteoarthritis at the base of the uh, thumb, yes, responds very well. We don't even need stem cells typically in those cases, even for the more advanced cases, like in the knee, I'm going to use stem cells for the more advanced cases. In that area, we typically just use platelets. The higher concentrated platelets, but still just platelets. And so, and just to clarify, you use stem cells for the more difficult cases, blood platelets for the lesser injuries. That's the main difference between the two? Yeah, I can expound a little bit. So when we're talking musculoskeletal medicine, you know, the predominant things, predominantly what we're treating is going to be either arthritis or soft tissue. So if we're talking arthritis, mild arthritis, you still have your cartilage, but it's got little nicks and dings in it. Moderate and severe, you've actually worn the cartilage through fully in one area, typically on the weight-bearing surface. And so if you have that full thickness of cartilage, that's what starts uh, initiating the stem cell process. So moderate arthritis and severe arthritis will be stem cells. Mild will be platelets. When we're talking soft tissue, we're talking scar tissue, partial tears, platelets, full thickness tears with minimal retraction, stem cells. Okay, gotcha. And I think you already touched on this, but the second part to Sarah's question is, so Let's just say, I'm just going to use her as an example. I don't know if she has basal joint arthritis or not, but it was her question, so she's going to have it for the next 30 seconds. So if Sarah comes <laughs> in and gets a basal joint arthritis procedure, what is typically the recovery time? Uh, okay, so the first 24 to 48 hours you'll have some pain. Um, after that, six weeks of, of avoiding aggravating factors. Anything that causes pain in that area we're going to avoid. In that case, it's typically repetitive grip, grass forceful grip, grasp, heavy lifting uh, with that extremity and for six weeks. And during that period of time, you're also getting some therapy. Oftentimes, however, I don't do therapy with that joint. Usually that's for my shoulders, my elbows, my hips, my knees, my ankles, 
going to be some therapy for six weeks. But it's a six-week recovery process. Worst part is the first 24 to 48 hours. Okay. Thank you. Wow. Well, um, I'm going to jump in here because uh, it, it, we, there's a lot of what happens in this country that's kind of frightening because we all have this uh, get-back-to-work mentality and, you know, yeah. no days. I see that a lot and. uh you know, in a lot of sports arenas, a lot of bodybuilding, where, you know, no time off, no this, no that. You know, if I get injured, work through the pain. And um, I've always spoken against that because, you know, I said there's there's muscle soreness and then there's joint pain. And I, I, I'm quite aware of the difference. And it's frightening that the people that are willing to work through that joint pain, is this something that could be done? And when they find their ignorance and find out they did it all over again, even after the corrective uh, stem cell treatment, could it be done again? Is it something that can uh, be repetitive for the person that just doesn't learn the first time or the second time or the 14th? Yes. Um, I'll tell you, every doc in this network injects themselves. I inject myself. I've had two stem cell injections and two what we call alpha-2 macroglobulin injections. Yeah, it's not just about, you know, being hard-headed because there are a lot of folks that are that way, I must admit. Um, but it's also about maintenance, right? Uh, trying mm-hmm. to avoid the surgeon's knife, trying to avoid steroids. You kind of hit the nail, the nail on the head. This is really quick. Let me get back to work. Let me get back in, into the arena or whatever. And they want to do a steroid to, to do so. That's the worst thing you could do to your body. One of the worst things you could do. You're, you're killing tissue when you do so. And so we want to avoid those things, and that's why, yes, we can do this repetitively in multiple areas of the body. This, these are your cells. It's natural. You're not going to respond in a negative way. Okay. Like that. I know. That's I like interesting. That. I'm just thinking because, you know, in our world, well, not in our world, not the natural world, but in the world of bodybuilding, you know, people will take steroids to build the muscle. So, But the steroids right. that you're talking about, I'm sure, are a different grade, but you're saying that, those steroids will actually tear down the muscle or what it yes. is, the ligaments, whatever what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, so, so you're talking about wow. anabolic steroids, which build tissue. Yep. We're talking about these catabolic yep. steroids, which are anti-inflammatories, the strongest anti-inflammatories you can use. They cause what we, the medical term is apoptosis. It's a fancy term for cellular death. That's why you can only do one a month, three a year. Otherwise, you turn any structure that you inject it into into mush. It, it makes no sense. None. Hmm. Very interesting, very interesting. So Brenda is next on deck, and she's got a great question. She's asking, how can your own stem cells that are damaged be used to make you whole? They're not damaged. If you're still living and breathing, your stem cells are functioning fine. Um I don't know where that came from, the damaged stem cells. I tell people all the time, people ask me, will this work for me? And I ask them, if you cut yourself and bleed, do you heal? If the answer is yes, then nine times out of ten it's going to work for you, um, as long as you do the right things as well. It's it's multifactorial. Um, So that's one part of it. The other thing is, you know, you have stem cells in every area of your body. Every tissue that's alive and still you're still breathing has stem cells attached to it. That's how it got created. So as long as your your organs and muscles and ligaments and tendons are functioning, then your stem cells are okay. Okay, very good. And I think maybe there might be, um, you know, just a misunderstanding that where you have damaged tissue, those stem cells mm-hmm. are damaged also because it's not healing, right? It didn't heal, it didn't recreate, or it didn't go back to its natural state before it was damaged. So I'm thinking maybe that's um, oh, okay. the question that's yeah, being well, asked. See, so what you're saying is, the, okay. okay, go ahead. Well, you don't get the stem cells from that area. That's not where they come from. Okay. So the stem cells are housed in other areas. We get ours. We uh, extract mm-hmm. ours from the bone marrow. And so it's a completely different area from where the uh, damaged tissue is and then we re-inject it back into the damaged tissue for that reason, because those stem cells created that tissue. And because it didn't respond in nine times out of ten, again, why it doesn't respond is that we do the wrong things. Too much ice, too many anti-inflammatories, return activities too soon, so on and so forth. Poor diet, um, 
smoking and things like that that don't help your body heal. But once we reintroduce those, the good cells from the bone marrow, then we can get regeneration or repair of that tissue. All right, awesome. So great question, Brenda. Thanks for asking. Um, Daryl wants to know, how are the stem cells and blood platelets taken, and then how are they administered? Okay, very good question. So we extract ours from what technically is called the posterior superior iliac spine. That's an area, um, if you know where your SI joint is, at the very bottom of your spine, your lumbar spine runs into the sacrum. and Just on the side of the sacrum uh, are some little humps there, and that's where the iliac crest is. There's a really thick portion on both sides. We get that area really numb, and then uh, the majority of us, I included, use a drill to drill into that bone and extract the uh, bone marrow aspirate, which is just pure bone marrow. That bone marrow is then taken to our lab for processing right there on site. It takes about an hour and a half to process it. And when it comes back to me, I know exactly how many cells you have in your bone marrow. Now, that's what differs from individual to individual is the number of stem cells. We know from our research that we need 400 million of those nucleated cells to get the type of outcomes that we're looking for. So we're looking for that number with 85% of those viable. When we achieve that, which we do the majority of the time, I've had very, very few because I'm she's approaching 800 cases and I haven't had 10 that didn't reach that number. Um, and w- so when we get the number back, then we put you back on the table and we get the area that we're going to treat nice and numb. Everything starts with numbing, and everything is done under guidance. So we have an ultrasound machine or we use fluoroscopy, which is a kind of real-time X-ray, to help guide the needle and place it into the appropriate structure. And then we precisely play the, play, uh, inject the cells into that area. Okay. And that's so I know if if most listeners are like me, so the actual injecting into the area sounds easy enough, you know, ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. I've seen this mm-hmm. procedure, by the way, so I've, I've got some background there. But uh, and then you put a needle in, you inject it in the right spot, move it in the right place. But the minute the minute you said, hold on, the minute you said drill, though, the minute you said drill, my <laughs> mind went to what? Yeah. What? Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> so, and I said it to get that effect. I, I, said <laughs> <laughs> I want people to know we drill into the bone. Yes, we do. And it's because when I'm in the console and I'm explaining, it, I, don't, I like to watch the eyes get bright when I say drill. Um, and then I can explain then we get that area very numb. And so when I introduce the drill through the skin and through the glutes, that's what we're going through the glute max back there, you won't feel a thing. You'll feel just pressure because I will have it extremely numb. Now, once the drill starts, all bets are off. The big, oh. <laughs> so a couple things Uh-oh. I can tell you. Women tolerate this a lot better than men. And so we have a little running joke in the, audience, in the office. The bigger the guy, the bigger the baby. So women tolerate it very well. <laughs> I'll take that I'll take that. Hey, I, hey, I, you know, I ain't no small guy myself. I've had it done twice, and they probably talk about me afterwards as well. But it really isn't that bad. It's like a strong, strong bee sting when you get into the marrow cavity. And then when you're pulling the marrow out, you're pulling against pressure, so that stings as well. The drill actually is not as bad as it sounds. I would imagine it's tiny. I don't uh, want to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just let it go. Today. It's about an eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll let it go. Amanda's having too much because she knows what's going on uh, in my fourth brain. Right. Now, here's the other thing that most the most healthier patients, though, younger patients are going to be platelet cases. And the stem cells are typically that individual who has this big rotator cuff tear, or uh, they're the older folks who, like myself, you know, who have arthritis and are looking at trying to avoid total hips, total knees, total shoulder replacement, things like that. That's predominantly who gets the stem cells. Gotcha, gotcha. Now for blood platelets, you're just, where do you withdraw the blood from? Because at that point you're just extracting blood and spin it, or how does that work? Simple blood draw, just like if you ever gave blood, exact same. It's going to be typically the most we take is about what you would give if you've given blood or less, and that's based upon how many structures I'm going to inject and what concentrations we're going to use because when you hear about platelet-rich plasma or PRP in the community, we consider that in our network bloody PRP. That's first generation. That's where they take your blood, they do the blood draw, 
spinach, put it in a centrifuge. They spin it for 15 minutes, and during that 15 minutes, it separates into red cells, white cells, and, and platelets, platelets on the top. You visually take off the top layer, and that brings red cells and white cells, and then you inject that, but that's uh, it's poor. Or, I mean, it's not very concentrated. And the red cells and the white cells are pretty irritating, so you'll typically have pain for longer than that 24 to $40 I mentioned earlier. With ours, I use no less than five times the normal concentration. Very seldom do I use that. I usually start at seven times the normal concentration and go up to 20 times the normal concentration. And that's one of the things that really sets Virginics apart from the other companies is what we call a flexible lab platform. It allows us to get all types of uh, solutions or concentrations when we're talking platelets or platelet lysate, which is pure growth factor. Okay. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, but we're going to, well, if we have time, we'll come back to the definition <laughs> of that. Okay, but we're running no short, problem. and that's what always happens. We start talking, and then before we know it, the hour is about over, and we've got some more questions that we um, we need to get to. Um, this one is from Caroline, and she asks, if I am having carpal tunnel issues, how long would I anticipate that recovery would take after stem cell? And is carpal tunnel really a stem cell candidate, or is more is that more of a blood platelet? It's a platelet case. Yeah, we use okay. actually platelet lysate uh, is growth factor. Essentially, taking that platelet and splitting it open and taking the growth factor out, and that's what we use around the nerves. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Her question was, how long would the recovery be? Recovery be? Yeah, is that another like basic a six week type thing before you yeah. can use yeah. the hands again? Or? Mm, yeah. Okay. Yes, six weeks for pretty much everything. You know, unless we're talking bone, we're talking eight weeks. But, yeah, everything else is that six-week okay. recovery. Again, going back to natural healing, it's all set up. Your body is programmed. A couple weeks of inflammation, six weeks of repair, and then up to a year of uh, reorganization or maturation of that tissue. So always six weeks. Okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now this next question, we actually had a listener last week who asked, who asked something pretty similar, um, but I, I believe the term she used was blood doping. Um, and Sheila's asking, can this type of treatment be abused like anabolic steroids? No. They're wondering if, if it gives any kind of athletic advantage. Nope, nope. And the USOC hasn't banned it or it's not blood doping. It's not considered that at all. This is just natural healing. Um, for example, there's so many guys that play professional sports that rely upon this treatment. No, none of the organizations um, ban it because it is, again, natural healing. You know, no unfair advantage to you healing a tendon that's torn, right? And it doesn't make the tendon bigger. It just gives you back to gotcha. I'm sorry. Gotcha. I just said gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Kaylin. I was disagreeing with him because, you know, who wouldn't want to be healed? <laughs> back right, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's all it is, getting okay. you back to normal, not, not improving you. It doesn't make you Superman. Wait, wait, hold on now. What if you already are? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you are, yeah, it's going to tell you back that you're right. Superman, Batman, whoever you want to be, that's what you already are. <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this next one is from Dana, and she's got it. It's, it's a good question, too. All of our questions have been great tonight. She's asking, would um, the Regenix procedure be more be a more successful option as compared to surgery, I've had my mother have her hip replaced twice. Well, yes, when we choose the right candidate. So we are very open and honest about your level of candidacy. One of the things that has been sold or spawned are hips. And so we typically don't inject hips above the age of 55 if they're in a severe category with a lot of loss of range of motion because they don't respond as well as the other areas of the body. Now, it is a better option. If you if we can get to you early, and I do a lot of hips. The hips are – knees are number one for me, shoulders number two, hips number three, but hips are catching up quick to shoulders. And it's all about choosing the right patient. You, you have to have mild or moderate arthritis, and you still have to have some range of motion. And typically you can avoid the surgeon's knife. If we can get you early on, I tell my patients, if I can get you before you get too far severe, then I, you'll never get to that point. You shouldn't advance any further than where you are when we see you initially. 
Okay. So I think you've touched on part two of Dana's question because she's asking what is the point of no return? So I guess go ahead. You already touched on it a little bit, but go ahead and address that again. So when we're looking at cases and determining candidacy, the simplest way to put it is, you know, mild, moderate, severe, and it's not always the same in specific areas. For example, mild, mild, moderate, severe for shoulder soft tissue injury is going to be a little different than a hip. But it depends on which category you lie in. So if it's your more severe and you've had pain for more than five years, I typically tell patients you got a decision to make. You know, five to ten years, you've got a decision. If you're in a severe category and it's more than ten years worth of pain, more than ten years worth of treatment, more than, let's say, ten steroid injections, then you're probably not going to be a candidate for what we do. But even if you're in the more severe categories and you're not a hip and you've had pain for less than five years, because it takes longer than five years to get to the severe category, that means that you've had severe arthritis for a while and you just you, you had a healthier joint environment and you're able to deal with it better than, than most. Those people tend to do well. So that's kind of the cutoff for me. I like to see folks, even if, I like to see mild to moderate because they always have an option, but that severe case, I want to see less than five years of pain. Okay. Well, we've got lots of folks wanting to know how they can um, get in touch with you and or find a Regenics office in their area. Where do they find that contact info? So you can go online to Regenics.com. If you are in the Des Moines metro area, when you go to Regenics and when you type it in, our Des Moines clinic will be the first one that pops up. Second one will be our national clinic, the one that started it all on Broomfield, Colorado. All of them have a physician locator, I'm pretty sure. But if you really want to be sure, if you're not here in the Des Moines area, go to the second one, Regenics National, and go to find a physician. And we're all over, actually, the world now, because in the China, Australia, not just the U.S. Um, that's how you find them nationally. If you want to uh, just contact us locally here, the office number is 515-421-4090. Again, 515-421-4090. There is a number for scheduling, but I never remember it, and I, uh, <laughs> and I never <laughs> bring it on when I'm doing these shows, doggone it. But the office number will get you there. Okay, so you said 515-421-4090? Yes, ma'am. Okay, perfect. So there you go, go, guys. And as always, you know what? You can message Kaylin and I, and we will track down info for you and get it back out to you. So no worries there. Um, Kyle is is uh, has chimed in with a question. He's asking, how can you convince a surgery-taught nation that this type of procedure is doable and a better option for most? Wow, Kyle, talk about astute. I Man, great question. That has been our challenge. That has been the focus of Regenix since they started. If you go to the Regenix website, I would encourage you to follow Dr. Centeno's blog. Dr. Centeno is a physician that started this all, and that is his mantra. The orthopedic solutions in this uh, in the world, quite honestly, for musculoskeletal conditions aren't, aren't working. If you look at the NIH research, it'll show you that more than half of the orthopedic surgeries being performed in the U.S. currently are not even necessary. There aren't, there's minimal research to support the number one surgery in the U.S., and that's partial meniscectomies, taking your meniscus out of your knee, which is going to end up in a, a second in, uh, surgery, total knee. So that's what we want to do. We want to educate people on what it is that you're doing to your body when you undergo that surgical procedure. That surgical procedure causes more problems typically. There's a number of folks that will come into my office they've had one total knee or one total hip, and they do not want to go through the experience, or they know someone who's had a bad outcome. They also know somebody who's had a good outcome, but you got a 50-50 chance, and with ours it's a little bit better than that. And so we just want to share with people what it is that you're doing to your body when you truly go through the surgery because you're not always told the truth about what they're doing during the surgery and what they have to do to get to the structure um, during that surgery, which often causes scar tissue in other areas. Um, and when you look at the natural healing aspect of it, when you truly get an opportunity to sit down with a good regenerative medicine specialist who explains to you what is it, what, what it is that we do and how we do it, it really becomes a no-brainer. Now, the next step is to get the insurance companies to start paying for it. 
Right now, the modern self-insured employers are catching on. They don't want them, their employees going through orthopedic surgery, so they allow them this option, and the vast majority take it and don't have to undergo surgery. And they stop getting steroid injections. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep pushing it, pushing the envelope, sharing with as many people as we possibly can, and our outcomes. Our outcomes speak for themselves. Right now, that is my biggest source of referral, word of mouth. Um, so that's it. And I appreciate you asking that question because that's what I want to do is educate folks on what they're doing to themselves when they undergo orthopedic surgeries and what their alternatives are because oh. nobody wants to share them with them the alternatives. No, well, not not of it flies in the face of conventional medicine. That's that's usually usually a struggle. Um, that's so true. next next question is from Linda, and she's wondering if this process, this technology, has any implications or applications for cancer. She says it sounds like a better option than chemo. Well, yeah. Have you seen anything? Yes. um, I don't uh, do any of that, but I am aware of it anecdotally. For example, one of my best friend's wife went to, I want to say, um, I think it was Duke University and got stem cells for her cancer. I know a lot of people that have gotten uh, stem cells and are now in remission. So it is working, and every discipline of medicine is looking at stem cells other than pathology. They deal with dead people, so no reason to use stem cells there. Uh, but I have, a, I have, I, you know, I believe Don't every other discipline zombie. of medicine. No zombie <laughs> Yeah, right, you're right. Better, making better zombies. Um, but, yeah, every discipline of medicine, especially cancer research, is huge. Um, that's happening over here uh, at the University of Iowa, even. Yes, she's right. Just got to do your homework okay, a little very bit. Good. Awesome. Good question, Linda. Okay, so this is from Sergio. He's saying science is a factual entity, entity, and yet many argue against the results. What you, Dr. Jackson, are saying is speaking against a big money-making industry. Has anyone tried to slow down the uh, information education dissemination, basically? Has anybody tried to shut you up? Yeah, the big money industries. I mean, he's absolutely right. You know, who loses out if we stop going to surgery? Not just the surgeon, the hospital, the pharmaceutical company, huge. If you ever look down the aisle at Walgreens, look at how many anti-inflammatories are in those aisles. How many medications yeah. people are taking that really, they're taking them the wrong way. So, yeah, they don't want this information out. They have lobbyists that, you know, have a lot of power. And that is, in my opinion, slowing things down drastically. But, what is helping is the science is there. The science is there to support what we do. And in the word of mouth, you know, everybody now knows somebody typically is going through stem cells or platelet injections and has gotten the benefit. So what, they, what the surgeons are doing, because they were calling me every name in the book when I started back in 2014. I was a charlatan. I was a liar. I was stealing people's money. And now they themselves are getting into the game. Um, so wow. it is what it Interesting. is. But we're going to keep on pushing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you have to, and just for this simple reason, Craig says, wow, my mind has been blown by this show. So, you know, these are things that people need to know. Um, Our next question is from Mark, um, and this one is uh, around the world, halfway around the world, by the way. And he's saying, what is the doctor's advice on signs or conditions in the early stages we could be aware of to enable us to act sooner? Oh, great question. So typically any type of pain, I think we talked about earlier, no pain, no gain, that's not always true. So if we have muscle pain, soreness from working out, that's going to resolve in 24, 48 hours. Anything that's lingering on could be something serious. So we need to have the, you need to get investigated. Instability. So you feel like you can't do something because something feels unstable. That's a sign of things to come. That instability is going to result in more wear and tear, and typically you know, you're going to have a straw break the camel's back at some point yeah. in time. Swelling, uh, swelling that comes and goes, something's damaged, something is being repetitively injured, traumatized, and causing these signs and symptoms. Don't ignore your body. Get to know your body. Our best patients are those that are incredibly in tune with their body. They can tell when they eat the wrong things and they get inflamed, right? And so basically what you have to look for, the first signs of injury, calor, rubor, dolor, tumor, so redness, swelling, increased temperature, and pain. Any of those signs could be 
the result of injury that should be evaluated. And don't poo right, it good. because if you do, yeah, if you don't, if you ignore it, it's going to be a problem five, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. And that's the deal. And by that point, like you said, if you've already been, you know, experiencing pain for ten plus years, surgery might be the only option you have at that point. So, great question, Mark. Thanks for asking. You know, factors we should be looking and watching for early on. Um, okay, this one is from Sheldon. He says, most of what my mom takes alleviates her symptoms but doesn't treat her problem. And, Sheldon, you hit the nail on the head with that statement. Most of the time, that's what any over-the-counter drugs do, but I digress. His question is, how do I convince her that this is the best option? That is so difficult to convince people. You know, you have to know the science and be able to explain it. I like to break it down using analogies. That's typically what works best for me, you know, really breaking down a natural healing process, explaining to people what it is that's going on in your body when you have injury. And if you're taking a medication that has been marketed to you as a pain medication, but it's truly an anti-inflammatory, you're inhibiting your body's ability to do what it's supposed to do and that is self-repair. You know, that's probably the easiest way I can explain it. Get to know what's going on in the body during the natural healing process and then Kind of educate yourself on the medications. Tylenol is a great pain medication. It's actually better than the opioids. The research has shown that. But, you know, people think they need hydrocodone or codeine. No, you don't. Um, and you don't need a Motrin, Advil, naproxen, Aleve when you have acute pain. Those are anti-inflammatories. <laughs> That's not what you're treating is inflammation. You're treating the pain, so treat the pain with a pain medication like a Tylenol. And even those, we don't want to be taking prescription medications or even over-counter medications because, as Desiree said, we're hurting ourselves when we do so. You know, they're all plant-based. You can go out and find a natural plant-based uh, natural equivalent and do just as well. It takes a little homework and maybe uh-huh. costs a little bit more, but it's well worth it when you're taking care of your body. It's the only one you got. It is. It is the only one you've got. So that's right. Temple building, folks. Um so this is a great question from Carla, and I think it's also going to help address Sheldon's question too. Carla wants to know, is there a YouTube video we can watch to help explain? Well, she's wanting to explain it to kids, but I think, you know, with kids, parents, other adults, she wants to have her siblings sit and chat with their parents who both suffer from arthritis. So are there videos out there that will help educate and kind of explain this process and the and the science behind it. Yes, there is one that was shared with me today. It's a little long. Um, I have it at work, and I can share it with you, Desiree, if you want to post it for people. Um, we have yeah. a number of – okay, so we at Regenix have a YouTube channel. I will share that with you, and that's a bunch of testimonials. I think there may be some explanations. Uh, Dr. Centeno at the Regenix website, he has he writes a blog every day. And so if you go to that site and go to the search engine, type in what it is you, you want to hear or see, natural healing, for example, there will be a blog, and typically that blog will have a little video attached. I know he has a really good one that's a cartoon of how we self-repair and what the platelets do and what the stem cells are. And, like, the platelets are the worker bees and the stem cells are the general contractors, and they all are working together to repair things. So, yeah. That does exist, and I can do a little better job of getting that information to you and so you can post it for your listeners. All right, awesome. So, guys, if he sends that to us, um, then we will definitely get that out to you. And then just a quick um, follow-up to that, and then we've got one last question before we have to wrap. Do I know you can probably really only speak for your office, but do our consultations free? How does that work? if people want to come in and be seen and determine if they're a candidate or not? So it's just like the regular doctor's office. We take all insurances. So you come in and we, you know, take insurance. It's simply a copay for the initial evaluation. Um, In our office, as well as all the other residents offices, we are very, very thorough. So you're going to have an hour-long appointment in most cases, Um, I used to do 30-minute exams, but we take a long time to do a very thorough history and physical exam, and that's how we handle it. And then from there, we let you know what kind of a candidate you are and 
or what type of procedure you would be or, or would need, and then you schedule with our people if you want to move forward. But, you know, all the offices do the same thing. Um, you can even do phone consults. So if you're not really close to an office, you can schedule a phone consult as long as you have an MRI, and we can do it over the phone and um, keep the ball rolling. All right, awesome. Okay, last question of the night goes to Mark. He said, lots of us have fear or unanswered questions on side effects of prescription pharmaceutical use. Are there any side effects with your procedures besides the normal six to eight natural repair period? No, the biggest side effect is pain at the site of in- injection, which occurs in 90-plus percent of the patients. But none of the other side effects, I mean, infection is always a possibility, I'll knock on wood, because I've never had one. Um, and very few people in our organization have. There are some other complications, like you could hit a blood vessel or a nerve, but that's why we use guidance. So, you know, the incidence of that, probably less than 5% across our entire network. Uh, other than that, you know, we don't inject it into people that have active cancer because stem cells could increase that cancer uh, rate and, and it can grow. Um, but as long as you are choosing your candidates appropriately and using guidance, very few side effects. Again, I knock on wood. Um, as Desiree's husband can attest to, sometimes you will hit a rash if people are um, exposed to the core prep or some of the injectates that we use, but that's always self-limited. Um, but that, that's about it. Otherwise, there's, your sales is natural, and you typically respond very well to them. I always tell people nothing heals you better than you, and that's what those sales do, heal you. There you go. All right. Awesome. Thanks for that question, Mark. So, again, folks, www.regenics.com. Regenics is spelled R-E-G-E-N-E-X-X. That's R-E-G-E-N-E-X-X www.regenics.com. Um, Dr. Jackson, your phone number one more time, please. 515-421-4090. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, you know, Dale says, great show. Stan, kudos on this one, guys. Jake says, I sent the link to my mom to listen. So, and Carla is saying, looks like I have a trip to take to Iowa. So definitely a lot of great information shared tonight. This is a field that our listeners, uh, you know, probably didn't know a whole lot about, if anything at all. So it's definitely been a blessing to have you here and to share, and we just appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no problem. I truly appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners. So thank you for the invite. All right. Well, have a great evening, and we'll look for that uh, follow-up info to send our way for us to post to the listeners. All right, you guys. You guys have a great evening as well. And, again, thank you. You too. Good night. All right, guys. A good one, huh? The topic you were interested in was interesting, I hope. I mean, very eye-opening and um Wow. I mean, there. The, I, I agree so much with what he said, that there's no better healer of the body than the body itself. I mean, God, yeah. God created the body to heal. And so I'm, I'm glad to see more practices coming about that allow the body to do what it was made to do. And, well, I, I, I'm just going to piggyback that because, you know, this is something that I, the reason why I got into bi- biomechanics movement, form, and everything else is to make sure that you were not only building, but you had the ability to repair for the lack of injury and not constantly getting injuries to where you can't rebuild and recover. Like he's saying, if we're constantly tearing the body down and never giving it a chance to basically heal itself, then we are being walked into problems. And that's what I've been noticing. And I know, Des, you remember me saying this many times that, you know, it's like we're, we're, made more to get back to work instead of get back to health. And that's always been a concern yep. of mine. This sounds like a good outlet to stop and prevent these things for the person that basically does have that work-driven mindset where they no longer are willing to address their own needs being health-wise and fitness-wise. So I'm loving that we did this show, and I'm, I see that our, our listeners are loving it as well. So the, the information will be shared, guys. We're not slipping. We didn't miss that. Um, I'm, I've already typed it in, so I've I, I sent it to a couple of you, and uh, I'll start forwarding to others, and I'm sure we'll have it on our page as well. Uh, anything else, Des, besides the snickerdoodle, tasty, great food? 
that we were supposed to other talk about. Has, other than hashtag chocolate way for the win, all I have to say is on behalf no, no, of no. Uh, Kaylin, myself, no, and the boys from P for P Muscle, your body is a temple, so let's build it. 